0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Liberty Show with Kevin Fortune. Um, this is a national platform where you, the citizen, can speak out and speak on things that's on your mind from a point of liberty and freedom and justice. And tonight we have a very fascinating and exciting, energetic show. Seemed like it wasn't going to take place. I was having technical difficulties, but where there's a will, there's a way. We never fail, we never get up because we have Superman Jared doing the technology, and he's helping me. So, guys. Tonight we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, you know, with the economy, with COVID, a lot of people are working from home, a lot of people have lost their jobs, but what about the concept of hiring yourself, working for yourself? And tonight we have three very special guests, some very exciting people that, um, have uh, practiced entrepreneurship that put their entrepreneurship into action, uh, into fruition. And we're gonna talk to them, hear how they got started, what they're doing, and how it relates uh, from the angle of liberty. So let's get started without any further ado. Um, A good friend of mine from Atlanta, Mr. Ivan Alpha. Welcome, Ivan. You're on the Liberty Show. What's
1: going on, party people? (laughs) Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? So I'm Ivan Alpha. That's my pen name. My real name, Ivan Alfaro. So today I'm excited to teach y'all about my level of experience in the entrepreneurial world. Uh, I came from Chicago, you know, Chirac. (laughs) Growing up in kind of a lower income household, had to get some thick skin. figure out how to make real money. Started off in the web design world. Um, I started as soon as 12 working really. Uh, all throughout high school, started learning web stuff. But over time, uh, I worked, you know, McDonald's. I worked a small business, worked into a corporate, worked a corporate ladder, all that's usual stuff. But then I realized this is not my American dream. I want to make my own real American dream, which ended up being building relationships, building great real estate assets, having rental properties doing real estate wholesaling, uh, selling flip property. So I did that by the age of 27, I was able to get about over 80 units, uh, rental doors in my portfolio. A deal, please throw it at me after the show. Um, so, so now, yeah, I was able to leave my job at 27. And yeah, uh, that's what I do nowadays, just real estate full time.
0: Well, okay. And Ivan, um, you know, I'm also from the Chicago area, so that so you got one brownie point with me. <laughs> but also, um, Ivan, you know, uh, you came um, pretty famous from um, uh, McDonald's. You mentioned that, you know, I always brag on you. You went from flipping hamburgers at McDonald's to being a successful entrepreneur. Can you give us a little bit of... People always want to know, how did that happen? You don't have to go into details, but what kind of process was that of you getting started from the corporate world to running your own
1: company? So it comes down to like being, sacrificing everything you can to get ahead of the curve. So all throughout, like having regular jobs and things, I would figure out ways to creatively get properties, you know, not necessarily all the time with my own money, um, because I realized at one point, even if I have a good chunk of money, there's only so many properties I could buy, right? I I took on capital partners. Uh, So for me being able to leave my job, it took, actually, I actually wrote a book on this from minimum wage to leaving the rat cage, which is on Amazon if you want to check it out. Uh, and it just draws out my journey of having left my job and what that looked like. I kind of had a little identity crisis because I, you know, I went from work-based, hourly-based work uh, of making money to effort-based, you know, where you can multiply your money uh, and you know, it's a much more higher reward if you educate right and you actually move forward right. So it's a different animal. It kind of produces a kind of identity crisis of sorts, but at the end of the day, it could prove higher rewards because you can build generational wealth from it. Okay. Um, I think you brought out some great points.
0: Tell us a little bit about your company, um, uh, the name of your company and how we can get in contact with you or, you, or any website information you have.
1: Okay. So my main investment company is called CommonWalk, CommonWalk Properties, so commonwalk.com if you want to get involved in uh, purchasing uh, rental properties alongside us, uh, we have a fund where we do affordable housing at scale. So that's a big passion of what, what drove me to do, uh, you know, heart-based work as opposed to just kind of chasing a dollar. If you do heart-based work, you could do a lot more, a lot faster. You want to you get this jump out of bed type feeling. And so commonwalk.com is how you could get in touch with me, or you could, If you want to stay in touch about training events, go to leavetheratcage.com. Okay.
0: So tell us a little, so your
1: training events, is
0: that where you train people to do what?
1: So learning real estate game, you know, getting rental properties, doing real estate wholesaling volume of flipping a property, uh, flipping paper, you know, you don't necessarily always have to actually fix a property to be able to sell it. So we call it flipping paper, just giving a deed for a assignment fee. Uh, So I teach all these sort of things. Uh, kevin you actually we did and jared we, we did a, multiple events together you know one in wisconsin one uh, especially big one here in atlanta at a special you know a tavern so it, it's all a great time i usually do one event every quarter um I'm, my next one is likely going to be for atlanta ria which is a local organization that has about twelve thousand members uh, so you know i'll do a virtual session but they also want me to once covid goes away actually come in person and do it like that also.
0: Okay. Interesting, yes. Uh we are friends. I, I guess we're still friends. Um now that you're newly a newlywed, congratulations, you're newly <laughs> Um but uh no, we we've had several great events together and the one thing I want to point out is that uh and I'm glad that you brought in uh your your upbringing in Chicago and that you're just an ordinary person and I don't mean that in a negative. I think that a lot of people think they have to be these super great people, super educated, all this money, you know, but you can come from very ordinary um, um, beginnings and really still be very successful. You agree?
1: I agree, man. Look at a guy like Bill Gates. It, his interviews, he looked like he just woke up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let me ask you we've got a few standard questions then we'll
0: move on then we're going to come back and, and open it to the whole panel but um then the liberty show uh first of all how has uh COVID um really affected your business currently we try to keep up with current topics how has that affected uh your business and your industry right now
1: so one aspect to my business is a couple uh, it's called wholesaling so i usually have a bunch of sales associates Uh, They are cold calling, you know, hey, do you want an offer for your property? You know, all the time, just calling. And that's where I could get volume amounts of leads so I could purchase them myself or flip them, flip the paper. Um, So what I've noticed is in that Atlanta market, it's interesting. You know, there's a a little bit strict rules around you can't do evictions, you can't do foreclosures. And then on top of that, we see some saturation of, of other wholesale companies scaling up here. So what I've had to do is change my market. So now we're looking at North Carolina, we're looking at Texas, we're looking at Florida, you know Tampa uh, area. So we've had this shift and that's also a part of uh, being an entrepreneur. You can't just sit in one area and just hope for the best, just kind of in a corner like, this is going to keep working no matter what. Like you know, sales number one, you don't just figure out what's okay, what's the plateau or what's going down uh you want to figure out innovation always be ahead of the curve so that you make the maximum amount of profits you're not the one on the back end of profits you know you're making the the measly bucks (laughs) that sounds
0: familiar sounds like some of my teacher but i always tell people you know i also do entrepreneurship coaching and business coaching and um that is so important a lot of people really get stuck, you've got to be flexible as an entrepreneur. And I use the word malleable. you got to be able to mold yourself and change with the times and just change with situations. And I think that that is that's very important. Uh, One last thing, and then we're going to move on and come back to you but you already alluded to the fact, Then the Liberty Show, we're about free market capitalism, laissez-faire capitalism, um, and very less limited, if not at all, government control, especially in the business arena. And can you just talk about some of the regulations or problems? Um, have you had any uh, problems with the government and some of the regulations hindering your business or affecting your business?
1: So with uh, the amount of uh, foreclosures being limited right now, which was a big sector that we would purchase from, Obviously there's a, it used to be dozens a month at the very least that would be going into foreclosure, but obviously everybody's getting a forbearance. So we can't uh, go into those, those, you know, motivated sellers and folks like that um, because they can't actually foreclose upon them. Also uh, along those lines, people can't get evicted. So if we want to purchase a flip property, that may be a little bit dicey if the uh, tenant, you know, is kind of difficult there was a, a tenant, uh, a lead that I heard uh, from one of my associates recently that we tried to go to their house, but the tenant actually released uh, two bull, uh, pit bull like dogs out <laughs> in the yard so that they wouldn't approach the house. So <laughs> you get stories like that, right? Which is why I'll, I'll leave one more little gem here. You have to diversify what you do. Like that's the sales business, but I have money on the rentals business coming in, right? So the, my risk is offset. I agree. I I always uh, recommend, too, that you don't put all your eggs in
0: one basket. And especially, you know, I always teach, and there's a foundational principle, which I was going to mention later. But number one, is this a brand new day? And that's a great point, that in this new day, in this 2020, almost 2021, just doing everything one way or the way it's always been, it's just, just totally different. Thank you so much, Ivan. Good to hear from you. I can always count on you to bring uh, lots of joy and energy to the show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to ask you some questions later. But let's move on to one of my favorite ladies of Liberty, a great friend of mine, uh, entrepreneur, very creative person, Miss Caroline Layburn. Caroline, welcome. You're on the Liberty show. Great. Well, thank you.
2: Um, so yeah, I've, I've had one business going on for long time and one that I've just recently started. So um, I'm an architect and I design homes and home remodels. My company is called Caroline Labor and Unique Home Design. And um, my focus is basically on having the home be all about expressing the personality of whoever lives there. Um, I sometimes use the uh, example of the Adams family. Like that's a house that's very well suited for it expresses who they are very well. Mm. You know, you, you can't really picture them in say a mid-century modern, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, but during the, um, COVID thing, uh, there was a little bit of a slowdown. I don't know if it was COVID related or if it was because of changing websites, but, um, I started, uh, making playhouses. You can see one in the, the people listening can't see it, but y'all can see, um, one of them in the background behind me there. Okay. And, uh, so I'm I'm kind of excited about uh, starting a business that sells playhouses. Interesting. Well, um, tell us a little bit. You, I
0: do know you're very creative and that's one thing I really like what you said about the personality with the people that that's really interesting. I think one thing I also uh, recommend to my clients that um, you need passion with with whatever do and you you're really passionate about your business. And I just think that's a unique concept. Uh, so kind of talk about the little bit more about the personality. So in other words, you, you curtail the project to the person. It's not just this ABC one, two, three stuff you build and just throw out there. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Just try to try to um, get away from just the basic box that looks like every other house on the street and try to, um, you know, not try to clash with the neighborhood, but at the same time, have it be um, about about your identity as opposed to. You're just one more cog in in the wheel, you know.
0: Right, right. And you mentioned COVID. So how has COVID affected your business? Um, uh, That's our standard. How has that affected your business thus far?
2: Well, yeah, I mentioned that there was some slowdown. And I don't know if that was COVID related or if it was just um, I changed to a different web address. And it Uh may have been a slowdown because just having trouble finding me. I don't know. Um, But for whatever reason, there was a little bit of a slowdown. Other than that, there wasn't much um, effect because I've been working from home anyway, so.
0: That's that's an interesting, that's, that's good. So what do you think of working from home? Um, you know, I love working from home, but then I get sidetracked because I love music and if I put on Billie Holiday, it's over with. Nothing gets done. So <laughs> how do you discipline yourself?
2: Well, um, I, I do like working from home and um, yeah, discipline can be an issue, but um, you know, you mentioned problems with, with um, you know, government and uh you know, I'm in Brookhaven and the business license thing here, they have it where you have a choice. You can either have up to one employee who doesn't live in the house work there, or you can have clients come to your house. Uh, you know, I'd like to have both. <laughs> okay. You know, so that's that's kind of a restriction. I've got a draftsman and he's actually working from his house most days, but some days he's here and, you know, I don't know if they would give me a pass, like, let the clients come when he's not here.
0: Well, well, that's interesting. Let's talk. Let's talk about that for a minute. You are a great person of liberty and you have uh, we've worked together on many libertarian projects. Um, not just with the party, but in free markets and and, in civil rights and individual rights and freedoms. We have a common friend that's actually on the line tonight, Dr. Dana. And um, so just talk about the: What do you think of the government's intervention into the free market arena? Um, uh, What do you think about laissez-faire free market capitalism?
2: Well, I I like it. I mean, I, I you know, the problems that I have tend to be. Um, I think about Ayn Rand's, uh, um, you know, Atlas Shrugged, where she talks about a, a nation of, of men versus a nation of laws. I mean, the problems I have are when um, different people can interpret things different ways. Like I had a, I had a client a couple of years ago where uh, before they bought their property, they went to DeKalb County to ask, okay, is this ditch? Is this a drainage ditch, or is this a stream? Which you know, what are you going to call it? Because if it's a stream, you got to stay seventy-five feet away from it. And if it's a ditch, you know, they can come right up to it, and that makes a big difference. And uh, the guy says, "Yeah, that, that's a ditch." You know, so they went ahead and bought the property. Well, then we got going on the design, got most of the way done, and then that uh, turns out that guy got a job at uh, with the state of Georgia, and his replacement said, "Oh no, no, that's that's not a, that's not a ditch. That's a stream."
0: that sounds like big
2: government (laughs) but I'm such a nice guy I'm not going to make you stay the full 75 you can we'll cut it down to 65 for you out of the goodness of my heart you know so these people wanted um, a a single-story ranch uh, with a certain amount of square footage well all of a sudden it couldn't be single story anymore Um, well we we, you know long story short we we designed a two-story which they didn't wasn't but what but they wanted, so they decided to sell it. But you know, it, it, just because of a change in personnel, they lost whatever twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of value off their property. You know, it's just when 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 laws can be that arbitrary, and you know, just who who interprets it. It's you know,
0: <laughs> right, right. That's a great great point. Well, thank you, Caroline. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come back and ask you guys all some questions in a second. But we're going to move on to another great friend of mine. Uh, a man of I do know believes in free markets and laissez faire capitalism, Mr. Danny Kellerberger. Hey, Danny, welcome. You're on The Liberty Show.
3: Great. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here with you guys. Uh, looking forward to having a good night with all y'all. Okay.
0: So tell us about yourself and your business, Danny.
3: Okay. Well, um, I'm a little bit of a background like Ivan, where I grew up, up in Illinois, not Chicago, but I was born there. So I get a half a brownie point. <laughs> uh, I grew up on the south side of the tracks and I was fortunate that my dad always drove us as a family around to these big neighborhoods and like, Danny, who lives in that big house? He's probably a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. And look at the lifestyle that they have. And then we go down and look at yachts and then drive by golf courses. So ever since a little kid, I've always had that idea of a lifestyle in my head. Mm -hmm. And then I go through life and I start hearing what everybody else says to do, go to school, get a good job with benefits and you live the American dream. And so I went that route, and I forgot everything that my dad taught me when I was older, until I realized that when I was about 40 years old, I was living in a rut. Mm. And a rut, to me was really just like a grave with no end. you know it just keeps going on and on. And I wasn't living the life that I wanted, like I've been said. I had wanted the, the lifestyle my dad showed me when as a kid, but I forgot about it because I got stuck in corporate America and trying to do the rat race and trying to make ends meet and learn how to stretch a penny to make copper wire so I could have a little bit more money. And it just never really worked out. And then when the economy crashed in 2008, I was looking. My job got cut in half. I, my wife was staying at home. We just moved into a big fancy house in the suburb of Atlanta. And everything went down, 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 down in a hurry. So I was like, I need to make money in a different way than I am now. And I met a man named Randy Spence. He became a mentor and a coach and a business partner. And he introduced me to a whole different way of looking at things. Mm. And um, I partnered up with him and I had to learn a lot. I had to develop thicker skin because mine was like paper thin. You just like poke it in and it might rip. And I had to learn how to become an entrepreneur, but I was hungry for a different result. And I think that's the biggest thing that holds a lot of people back from going on is, what is your hunger? What is it that you truly want? Are you willing to pay the price to get what it is that you want? And when I sat down with Randy, I wanted all this stuff, but I never really thought there was a chance I was gonna get it. Until he showed me that if I work hard and I follow a system that I can do it if I learn and I grow and I become and I change throughout the process. And so that's kind of what we did. And I'm not arrived anywhere. I'm on my own journey. I'm learning a lot. I have a lot of failures and setbacks and successes, but it's definitely a whole lot more fun than punching a time clock.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about Life Leadership. Um, uh, In uh, being uh, transparent, I'm actually part of that uh, thing. The King of Liberty is part of Life Leadership. (laughs) Uh, Really a great company because it's a different, concept it's sort of like multi-level marketing but it's really it's very honest, very, very libertarian. That's what blew my mind and very free markets. So tell us a little bit about uh how it works.
3: Yeah, I'd be glad to, Kevin. Thank you. Um and you made a wise choice when you partnered up with us. And um, it's been (laughs) a lot of fun working with people like yourself, people who have success thinking already. You know, growing up I heard about all the MLM things and be careful you take the shirt off your back and you won't have any friends left. And so I was super hesitant to do anything remotely like that. But this company, Life Leadership, is it's all about win-win or go home. Like They have a vested interest in helping me be successful. So they're gonna pour time, energy, and money to help me get my goals and dreams. So it's its an old um, Zig Ziglar saying, you help enough people succeed, then you succeed yourself. Right. And everything they do is principle-based. It's all about not what feels good, not what feels right. It's like, what is the bottom line principle? And as long as they get the bottom line principle right, then everybody will prosper. And these guys are just phenomenal men who started this company because they felt that all of us should be chasing our goals and dreams and living the life that we wanted instead of the life that we were living, which sometimes didn't even qualify as living. They just qualified as um, existing, (laughs) right? Right, right. But but they introduced a systematic way to grow you, to teach you what you need to do to get from an employee-based to successful business mindset. Because a lot of us just don't have the thinking because – if you're like me, you get stuck in the public education system. And from the moment you're in there, it's like, you can be an employee. If you do this, this, and this, you'd be a great employee and you'll get your benefits. And when you retire, you'll have social security and, and you might have a penny or two who knows, but it's a whole different mindset to be an entrepreneur. You have to have the discipline like Carolyn's saying, and you got to have the guts like Ivan was saying, and, and it's just not taught anymore. So you might have an idea that you want to go chase, but how, how are you going to really go about doing it? Because it takes a whole lot of, parts of you to be successful as an entrepreneur.
4: That's
0: a really great point. And just to uh, let our viewers know that a uh, life leadership is a, uh, I guess you call it financial education type system. They've got great books and tapes. Uh, what I love about it is very libertarian free market based. They deal with less government. They talk about the federal reserve being on the gold standard, everything that we stand for. So I do uh, recommend I may be a little biased, <laughs> but they really have some great materials, guys, that are very helpful, life-changing. They actually have some very good practical um, manuals um, and workbooks that you can actually work with. So uh, what is it, the Green Box that, uh, that they have? Is that correct, Danny? The, the uh,
3: um, Is it Green Box? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's correct. It's um, the Green Box. It's one of our best-selling products. It's just the 47 principles to financial literacy so you can live debt-free. And right, it's not rocket science, but they lay it out in a way where you don't have to be a CPA. You don't have to have a master's in accounting or taxation or anything crazy like that. It's just very easy and systematic to follow it. And you choose what you want to follow, which 47 principles. So if you follow seven of them, you can make a dramatic difference in your in your life.
0: Right. And it, it's really great, guys. It's just really helpful um, to find a company that actually practices laissez-faire capitalism. Um, we did a show on big corporations. This is a big corporation, but they really really practice libertarian and liberty uh the mindset and we will put a um contact for you uh danny in our show notes if anybody wants to contact you or find out more about it um so now uh, we're going to transition and go to some of our questions some of our other um our uh our panelists uh some of our podcast team but first i just want to remind you that you're listening to the liberty show with kevin fortune and make sure you like us like us on facebook instagram follow us also on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe, but also leave us a comment on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Apple. Uh, let us know what is your entrepreneurial uh, dream? What's your business dream that you've always wanted to do? So just leave that down in the comments section. So now we're gonna go all the way down to the Sunshine State. We've got my favorite conservative. He knows a lot about capitalism, free markets. Mr. David, welcome. You're back on the Liberty
5: Show. Thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here again. And I want to How's the take weather
0: in How's the weather in Florida?
5: I Man, it was real sunny and hot this morning at a little league game. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> we got a rain in the afternoon. Oh, boy. what I want to okay. do first off is thank your three guests to talk about their dreams and how they pointed themselves in the right direction. And it usually happens when you change inside first. When you realize, and then you're willing to adapt, all businesses have to adapt, the innovations, and to hear those stories, that gets my heart pumping good, because I never viewed myself as being being able to own his own business, and I can see I put the shackles on myself. So your guests really hammered home some interesting things about how their businesses had to adapt. Now, we're in a different environment today, and the world around us is in turmoil, but these men and women were willing to change their perception of what was going on and made it tailored to their business so that it will be successful. So in a free market system, we have that ability. So when part of the turmoil comes in and we hear Marxism, socialism, the system doesn't work, it's broke, burn it down, I'm thinking these people are nuts. And there's nothing holding you back but yourself. And that's the greatest thing about this country is that we're free to do whatever we can as long as I don't infringe on other people's freedoms. And talk to an immigrant that comes from another country. They came here 20 years ago because they appreciated what we had to offer here versus what they had to do, whether it was Cuba, Africa, the Philippines. So once we change and decide to be a different country, I don't think we'll have any immigrants anymore. I think we'll have a close society. So I'm so happy to hear people that are out there that are wanting to lift up it's a succeed. And when you succeed, you find that you mentor other people, you're helping other people. So your journey isn't just by yourself, you're bringing others with you. And I have a slogan that I like to use, and it's livelihood matters. If the government shut us down, and I can't go to work anymore, I better come up with a way because I got a bank, payment i got payments to make my credit card my house so i've got to put my entrepreneurial skills to figure out how i'm going to make ends meet and necessity is the mother of adventure invention and i'm sure all your guests today would say the same thing that they know that a lot of their ideas have come from a need to succeed so i appreciate the time that you gave me to talk today, Kevin. (laughs)
6: <laughs> All right.
7: What about Damon? Damon always has something good to say.
6: I don't so much have a question, but uh, great, great info from everybody, um, everybody that was involved. And um, the one thing I can truly say from a, you know, as a libertarian minded person, I can truly say that uh, one of the main problems with entrepreneurship or the, the challenges that are um, added to entrepreneurship that shouldn't be there is the government you know, pr- uh, providing. Um, impediments to people succeeding. So for me, for instance, I'm, I'm in the transportation industry, and for quite some time, um, probably within the last several years, um the government decided to, for this in the name of safety, making it to where the drivers had to use electronic logs. And so prior to that, the drivers were able to use uh, paper logs. and um, you know a good driver can basically get about six hundred miles in a day. With electronic logs, it really limits what the drivers can make. So there's a point in time in which the drivers, which are already in short supply, and there's always there's a, a big demand for drivers. It makes the drivers that are good to say, look, you know, I don't even need to do this anymore for what, because the government's impeding me from making making good money, because it's limiting the number of miles I can do in a day. So it, you know, entrepreneurship and government regulation kind of go hand in hand in saying, look, if the government gets out of people's way and lets them do what they do then people can make more money and you know, everybody can be more successful. And so the, in, in the big picture, big picture scheme of things, if people are able to make more money, then the government has more through the ability of taxation to make more money, but that's not how they look at it. They're basically cutting their nose to spite their face.
7: Yeah, <laughs> excellent point, Damon. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right, I see Charlie has, has something to, to contribute now. Welcome, Charlie. You're on The Liberty Show.
8: Hi, Jarrett. Thank you. I don't really have anything to contribute, but I did have a question for, I think, Ivan, if he's still on the show. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, Ivan, my question to you is, I have, how can I say this? I've worked in um, the real estate business as well as a closer and things of that nature. I'm currently working for a great company, so it's not like I want to leave the company and become an entrepreneur, but I was thinking of doing you know, a, a, a business that I can do on the side part-time which was loan closing because I've always been a closer. But I learned that I wanted to know if you've heard this as well in the state of Georgia that it's an attorney state in which an attorney has to be present when it comes to doing the loan signing. Are you familiar with that? Are you aware of that? Because I've worked for other real estate companies and we used um, mobile notaries. And I know that all of those notaries could not have been attorneys nor, you know, and of course, they weren't working out of an office because they're mobile notaries. So they were going to, you know, the individual's um, homes. But have you heard that before?
1: Yeah. In Georgia, I've actually only done closings with attorneys. So I've kind of just been limited in that regard. Um, In terms of having worked with notaries, that has been true, too. But the actual documentation was prepared by an attorney and then a notary came and just officiated everything into closing
8: right okay so maybe i'm misunderstanding something because when i spoke with the gentleman at the state he made it seem as if the attorney had to be present so maybe i need to contact him again and that is what was throwing me off i I am aware you're right either you know an attorney's office or whomever i worked at well, one of them was State Farm, but, you know, we would prepare the closing packages, things of that nature, and the notary would just pick them up and, and do the, the closing. But maybe I misunderstood, so I would have to give that gentleman a call back at the state office. <sighs> That's the side business that I wanted to start, you know, because I'm so familiar with the documents anyway. And when he said that, it sort of just pushed me back 10 steps, so. Oh, uh, okay. But I, I will come from there, but thank you.
9: Thank you, Charlie.
8: Mm-hmm
7: yeah another another example of how uh government bureaucracy can can certainly make uh, some of our aspirations a, a lot rockier uh, to to even approach so yeah thanks uh thanks for your input and uh, your question so okay, I see Kevin's Jared, back welcome
0: but i wanted uh David brought up a really good point, uh, and he was talking about what's happening on the inside, and I think that's very important um and that's what I was alluding to earlier that. Our uh, all of my guests I have tonight are just ordinary people, and I mean that in the in the most excellent way. That anyone can be an entrepreneur, start a business, um, be successful. You don't have to have all these high accolades and and, and these mighty long lists of qualifications. And um, uh, I wanted to, uh, I was, I wanted you guys, I want to ask each of the panelists, uh, um, Danny and Ivan and Caroline, to please address the fact: How do you? Um, deal uh, with with your personality and going into entrepreneurship as far as personal issues a lot of times people have had personal challenges in their life or different things and I know all of you and all of you have overcome a lot of cool things that sometimes people think I'm not qualified or I've failed in life or i bumped my head i run into a wall so I'll never make it um, feel free to share anything you feel comfortable we'll start with um, uh, Caroline Caroline you're back on the liberty Show.
2: Okay. Um, well um, so sometimes uh, I would my personality would have me not necessarily go out and uh, advertise myself you know so then that that obviously doesn't work if you want to attract clients mm-hmm. um, you know another thing thing, which I guess fits in with the whole Liberty concept is that I have a pretty bad attitude towards authority, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the club. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned the thing about the streams, but, you know, another thing is zoning, you know, when, uh, you know, the fact that that's very, uh, you know, based on just who gets it on what day and what mood they're in and what kind of relationship you have with them. You know, it's not just the law. I mean, you know, they have rules, but they seem to be bendable. moldable. You know.
6: Right, right.
2: So I, I get angry just even dealing with things like variances and stuff because it's just, I hate asking uh, these authorities for their permission when it just, it just, you know, again, it's like a nation of men, not a nation of laws. Right. Well, I, I thank you for that.
0: And, and, you know, I know that you went through some personal struggles internally, emotionally, uh, with your family, with, with uh, different things. And uh, you don't have to go into details unless you feel comfortable, but I think it's important for people to know that we all have struggles and you've had some major things, some major changes in your life that you had to deal with while you still were trying to run a business and you can do both. Is that correct? You can still make it. Sure. Sure.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure that the changes um, really slowed me down that much. Um, I, I had fun with it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's ask
0: uh, Mr. Danny Kellenberger. Danny, what you know? Any personal challenges in your life, or any mountains you have run into that you've had that you've overcome in order to still be an entrepreneur?
3: Absolutely, Kevin. The biggest obstacle I had overcome was me.
0: Ooh. When I got
3: started being an entrepreneur, I was a quiet, nasty, angry guy because life wasn't working out for me. So I blamed on everybody. It wasn't my fault. It was the economy. It was it was the people who told me to how to do things. And so I really had to do a lot of growing and soul searching and. And figure out what and the other part is I'm not a very outgoing person by nature I'm more shy shy quiet and introvert I'm I don't like believe
0: guy. you I don't believe <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah, my wife Go is on she'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> right I, I was I worked in a basement of a lady's house for 20 years by myself because that's how little I like people at the same time so I had to learn how to be a better person and And that's the biggest thing I had overcome was that anyone could have success if you're willing to go through the process. And it doesn't have to be super painful. It just has to be slow, little increments slowly over time. And then you change one degree every day. And all of a sudden, 300 days later, you're 300 degrees different. Like, how did that happen? I look back in time and I want to flick myself in the forehead and say, what were you thinking, Danny? You know, it's not that complicated. So just learning how to get over my own issues, how to have some kind of um, relief in myself that yes, I can be successful like I want to be and that I deserve success and um, just plug it into the right people and the right information to help me get where I wanted to go.
0: Great response. That That's really what I'm keying in on is that, like I said, I do entrepreneurship coaching and, and training and I spend more time <laughs> with my clients dealing with internal issues than I do business issues. And you hit it on the head, people just getting over themselves. And, you know, people aren't looking for you to be perfect, but I'm just so glad that, you know, Uh, you can be an entrepreneur and be very successful and not be this perfect person, not have it all quote together, you know, as we want to think. And I think that's very important for people to share. Now back to my main man, Ivan, Ivan, I know you're perfect. You've never had any issues, but can you comment on this situation?
1: Any personal issues? Let me, uh, any, I mean, you've
0: never had any, I know you're perfect. No mountain, no challenge. (laughs) five (laughs) hundred. But yeah, just talk about, you know, I think that a lot of times people want to start a business, they want to, but like Danny said, they run into themselves, but you know that we've had challenges, we have, um, I'm not saying you, but people have low self-esteem, they have anger uh, issues, they have authority issues, just they were born on the wrong side of the track, their race, their gender, their sexual orientation, none of this has to stand in the way. Do you agree of being a, a successful entrepreneur?
1: I agree. And, and it has to also be with a matter of openness to to kind of be in uncomfortable places. Right. I'll go ahead and just tell one of my more recent experiences. Um, You know, I I mentioned I have capital partners. In one case, I had like a, for my sales business, a partner for that. And we had a a pretty dramatic ripping apart. And when you're a partner with somebody for like a couple years, it's like family, right? Being torn apart. So that sort of thing is like, it kind of messes with your head right like could i have done this better could i could that person have done this better and it really forces some real candor with yourself and the other person about this is not you know and is there something i could have done a year before to have changed this end result so it it kind of is an exciting but kind of painful thing to force yourself into growth because like David said, you're not going to be motivated to do anything if you're not in a place of needing to do something, right? It's another sales tactic. You want to sell something that the person needs, like their water just shut off. They have to be like, oh, give, let me go put that water back on right now, okay? So, it, it, yes, of course, there's been many personal things going going on. But to me, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. It's even why somebody like... Um, GE's Jack Welch, you know, that amazing CEO, was able to grow that company by what is it, like 7,000% in a matter of like a decade. You know, it had to be real candor with himself and with his people and changing cultures in a massive scale type way. Great. Well, that, that's really true. And I, I just want to, I don't want to get stuck on
0: this, but I run into so many people say, Oh, I can't do this. I can't make it. You don't know. Uh, I'm an ex felon or I used to be a drug addict or um, I've got a disability. But in spite of all of that, you can still be quite successful, and all three of you guys are just such great examples of that. Okay, Mr. Jerry, do we have who's next on the Liberty Show? Have we heard from Louis?
7: We have not heard from Louis. Uh, shall okay. we pull him up? Let's get him on here. <laughs>
0: Louis, one of my favorite people. Louis, welcome. You're on the Liberty Show.
9: We have Kevin and everyone else.
0: Okay, Louis. Now I, I, I had to eat my Wheaties for you you think a little bit differently about private ownership of wealth than private- um, That's an um, understatement,
9: you, a little. Well,
0: give, give us a little uh, of your view.
9: Um, just on the concept of entrepreneurship in general, or as something specific.
0: Well, or, you know, like, I think you kind of believe, do you believe in people owning their own companies, or should the government own all the businesses, or people share their businesses? Tell us how you, you have studied, uh, think about it.
9: Well, I guess it's kind of a complicated question. I don't really have a I don't really have a simple answer for it either. I guess if we're like if we're defining like entrepreneurship as and I'm just looking at this dictionary website right now, if we're defining entrepreneurship as the activity of making money by starting or running businesses, especially when this involves taking financial risks, I feel like I guess, let me ask you: What does um, when you hear the phrase entrepreneurship? Like, what does that mean to you? Like, what is? How do you conceptualize that in your head?
0: Well, let's ask our panelists. Panelists, who wants to answer, answer that? Um, or someone, lift your finger. What does entrepreneurship mean? That's a great question, actually. Uh, who do we have? Anyone lifting their hand, Derek? Running,
1: running into the okay. front lines. That's what I feel entrepreneurship is. Okay, say it again. I'm sorry. So, running into the front lines. So being not afraid of just kind of like being like there, there was literally a, a general in the world war II that would in front of all his soldiers, literally with his pistol, just go and Hey, come on, come and get it. Like that's the type of person an entrepreneur needs to be like, not afraid of taking shots because you have to also lead by example, right? How are your soldiers going to run with you? If you're not there with them and like, giving them that inspiration to move forward. So where we're going at with, with, with Louis, he, we have to let you know, he's, he's
0: one of our more, um, he's not totally convinced about free markets logic for capitalism. He's a little more on the socialist Marxist type side. So what do you think, uh, uh, since we have you on Ivan, uh, about you owning your own property, you owning your company, or should the government own your company or everyone work together? What do you think the benefits are, are, are for you owning the company? as an individual?
1: If you want to own my assets, I got, I'll set up some machine gun turrets outside my houses and you could just come on.
2: (laughs) Okay, what do you think Caroline? Well, you know, I said before I have a pretty bad attitude uh, towards authority. You know, I, to me being an entrepreneur means I get to decide um, you know, what the focus of the business is, what um what I'm going to do when, and uh, you know, that's the freedom to fail if I, you know, but if I if if I if the government is owning my business, then uh god, I feel like one of the one of those people in the wizard of oz, you know, there at the witch's castle.
8: oh, uh, yeah.
2: Uh, You know, just like, (laughs) you know, it's just like uh, going to work each day, just, just droning on and just, uh, you know, no, you know, no, no freedom of choice in what I'm going to do. It's whatever they say, I got to do it, you know. Okay.
0: So just to summarize, is Danny still on or is he still here or? I think he got kicked out too. Okay. But we'll get him back on. Um, You know, entrepreneurship is um, private ownership of property. You own your own company and less government regulation, less government rule, um, where you get to make the profit. And profit motive, which we haven't talked about much tonight, and I think David, I'm sure McCain uh, alluded to this, uh, is not um, a, is not a bad thing. And we've not talked about the profit motive Uh, Because usually when we think of profit and corporation, we always think of greed, not necessarily. So is it bad to make money or to make a profit? But let's go back to David. David has a comment. David, you're back on the Liberty Show.
5: Entrepreneurship means to me that I'm willing to risk my efforts to get a payday. And I'm not out there to steal from other people. I'm not out there to gorge, but I... Have an idea. I have a product, and I can provide a livelihood by becoming an entrepreneur. And there's nothing wrong with it. Once the government starts to get involved, we know they never stop. They want more, and they more, and they more. And it goes back to the old, uh, "Who will help me break the bake this bread?" Not I said the pig. Not I said the cow. But when it gets time to eat, everybody else wants to take part taking your reward and just like when i go to school if the teacher grades on the curve should they take you kevin that got an a and now you get a b so i get raised from a d to a c you would say that's not fair so entrepreneurship is relying on yourself and that's all people want is they want they want to be productive And the way of being productive is keeping
0: government out of the way. And do you agree, David, with the profit motive that we should be able to keep some of our profits, you know, um, uh, that you made money, or do you have to share it with everyone? Do you have to share it in a socialistic uh, way that everyone has to, we have to lift
5: up all of society? Well, once you come to share, those that are quick to put their hand out are not productive. They do not produce. So Uh that's why people want to come to the U.S. is because of what we have to offer. It's not out of greed. Right.
0: You know, I, I think that's really a, a great point. And I, I don't want to open a couple of words. We're going to go back to Lloyd. Then I want to hear what uh, Tim has to say, because I know he'll straighten us out as usual. But, <laughs> you know, people come to America for freedom, ownership of property. They don't have to work for the government. They can Uh, They don't have to take care of of their neighbors. If you choose to, if you as a Christian, whatever your faith, or just out of the goodness of your heart to help others, that's fine. But should it be mandated by the government? Do we have to take care of other people? As Tim likes to say, you know, if I didn't make the baby uh, have the fun to make it, do I have to take care of it? That's not a bad thing. But um, So so what do you think, Louie? We're going to go back to you. Do you think that free markets, profit mode is okay, or should we be all helping each other or the government?
9: Louis. Well, I guess just uh, thinking about what everybody said about what entrepreneurship is concept. It's about uh, trying to make a profit. It's about taking risks. It's about uh, trying to make your way in the world by uh, being innovative or attempting to be innovative, I guess. And uh, something Dave mentioned that I thought was interesting was that it's part of it is people wanting to be productive in some manner. It's actually something I've thought about uh, quite a bit before, like putting aside anything to do with uh, capitalism as a system, hierarchies, desire to accumulate capital. I sort of think of entrepreneurship as being all about innovation. Is what comes to mind, or what it is ideally.
0: I and, like, and I I agree with you. So, is it okay to be innovative as a person, or do we have to be innovative for the whole good of society? Can I make a product, create it, and make money off of it, or do I have to give it away and show it, uh, share it with all of society? In your view?
9: Well, it's not really. I don't really think of it as being that binary. And generally, it's like. No, I don't think of it as being like coercive like that. I guess just to continue my point, I think of entrepreneurship as being sort of the expression of the human urge to better oneself or to better one's condition, to put it in a very kind of pretentious way. Like entrepreneurship, like by itself is, it's sort of like the ambition for greater production and achievement, like you know, Dave said. I feel like that by itself is that bad. It's just that sort of making entrepreneurship about, uh, it's not about innovating. It's not about introducing like novel ideas you have to the world. It's about accumulating capital. It's about profitability. Is that bad? What's wrong with that? Well, obviously, okay. Obviously like being profitable, like when you just say it like that, it's not like negative. But I just feel like, it's sort of, uh, in, it's sort of, it has to do with kind of the outlook on entrepreneurship. It's like if we view these, if we frame these issues exclusively in terms of profitability and like only thinking about the money aspect of it. Because a lot of good ideas, like a lot of innovative ideas, are not necessarily like profitable at the time that people think of them. You know, like you think of, you know, Nikola Tesla having kind of bold new ideas about how electricity should be uh, like, you know, in the early 20th century, there's the whole debate about alternating current. And so sort of people like Thomas Edison, who are against that innovation because it affected their interests, they sort of went out of their way to prevent that innovation from happening. Very in Nikola Tesla. I just feel like... I'm sorry, this is a very complicated topic. I'm not sure I'm being...
0: No. Well, no, you're, you're, you're fine. I just, I want to, you know, hone back in on the point that um, not just with you personally, but for right now in our society, we're acting like making money is bad. People come to this country. They immigrate to this country. They literally die trying to get here. Um, they want to go to school here so they can make money because you're still going to need money. You don't have to let money rule you or worship you, but making money is not bad. So so let's talk about that for a minute. Um, let's go to our panelists. We don't wanna leave them out. Panelists, what do you think of the profit motive or making money? Is that good or bad? Um, who's first? Uh, Danny, you're back on. What do you think of making money?
3: I am back on, thanks, Kevin. I had. I think you were contagious earlier and it, I caught what you had. But I think it's all about making money. And I think in a true capitalist, where it's a free marketplace that the, the consumers vote for your product and if they like your product, they buy it. And it's a win-win again. There, The the consumers are smart enough to know that they're not going to buy anything that's not good. And if people do good by selling a good product that people are are happy about and they want to buy more of it, that's a great thing. But I always felt that business was designed to have the government be like an umpire and not be on your side or that side, but just to be an official, so to speak, and not be on any particular side So so that we could make products and we could go out and sell businesses, ideas, and things and let the people who want our businesses decide if they want them or not. And if they don't want them, we go out of business real fast, don't we? But if they want them and there's a demand for our products, then we'll be successful. And I find that most people who are truly successful have a heart for giving back to the community some way down the road anyway.
0: Right. And, and I totally agree. You know, if anybody knows me, literally, I know Tim and Damon and Jared, I mean, I'm a giver, too much of a giver sometimes. But should we be forced to help people, forced to take care of other people? Um, and that's what entrepreneurship You know, you first want to take care of yourself, and I always tell people, make money. Then once you've made some money, you can go out and help others. But if you're, you know, but it's just not a bad thing. So let me ask, um, uh, Ivan, what do you think about the profit motive, making money? Is it bad? Is it negative?
1: So on on your last sentence, I've had to deal with that. Like, I used to give money to the point of putting myself in danger. Mm -hmm. Like, it was obnoxious. So I had to come to grips with it. Like, hey. In order to be able to give more, I have to make more. Right. Just like generate money off of a tree, right? I have to think of a product. And like Danny said, like I could think of products that would improve the world as part of my business. So affordable housing is a part of that, that cycle that I make profit from. You know, I rent properties 600 to 1200 a month and for many communities that, I, that my houses are in, that's a really hard thing to find. But I, I get them at such a good price, the properties that I'm able to make a profit, and they're able to have a stable household instead of gentrification, pushing them out every mile every year. They have to take more transportation. They have to take another bus. They have to change schools, causing more trauma on the child. Uh, I've actually had to live this myself because I was in the middle of gentrification in Chicago. So right. profit is critical right you can't give money that you aren't making yourself and and another great point i'm gonna kick in that i'm gonna let caroline
0: speak is that one good thing about entrepreneurs and owning your own business that's a great way to help others by offering them a job you're not giving them a hand out but a hand up you're not saying here i'm gonna take care of you but i'm gonna help you take care of yourself and that is a great thing isn't that great so caroline what do you think about the profit motive and uh, making money
2: well, certainly in theory, it's, it's, it's very good thing. Um, you know, I'm, I find that with me um, I'm more motivated by uh, just the, the um, enjoyment of doing it or or the satisfaction from pleasing the client and coming up with a good design. And uh, you know, so I have to fight my own uh, personality trait that I tend to charge too little. And uh, you know, so that, that hurts the profitability. Uh, so uh you know again, so that's when the personality trait you asked about that earlier i have to I have to fight that one I have to you know. but but you me. know honestly,
0: statistics have shown that people um are more successful and make more money
2: at things that they're happy doing. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, but as far as making money, there's more to it than that, but that that's certainly, right. <laughs> but it's not a bad
0: what I'm saying is I'm not saying that that should be it. that's the catch all. But I guess, as as some people would say, some of these liberal colleges, you know how I am about college, you know, they're just teaching all the greater good of society. um, And let's just help people. And all of that's fine and wonderful. I've spent my life doing that. But there's nothing wrong with actually making money. So let's move on. Uh, Tim, my main man, you're on The Liberty Show. Straighten us out. Bring us up to
10: par. Well, I want to thank you and, and everyone on the show. A special shout out to Dr. Dana. A great yeah. friend, we haven't seen each other in a in a in a while. Uh, to Carolyn, hey Carolyn, how are you? Ivan, um, Damon. I just want to take a moment to piggyback on David's earlier point. Um, here in this country, and in and, and in general throughout the world, um, but specifically here in, in this country, David brought up a a a very good point that if the government continues in the vein that it's been going for many, many decades now of regulating, that uh, folks who are trained, folks who are educated, folks that we want in this country to to live here, to to prosper, they will look for other countries to settle because of government regulations. Here in this country, in in the United States of America, the government keeps me from being the best me. And the way the government does that, and not only does it do it to me, But specifically, since I'm black, I like talking about black folks and other people who look like me, I like talking about brown folks. The way the government keeps black and brown folks down is through government regulations. Let's look at home ownership. This is something that both sides like to talk about. The Republicans and the Democrats, oh, we need more home ownership, blah, blah, blah. It's the greatest path to generational wealth. Well, the government, the government created regulations that keeps families from trans transferring wealth from one generation to another. Well, how did the government do that? One of the ways the government did that was by killing and ending assumable mortgages. Most folks don't know what an assumable mortgage is because of their age, but years ago, up until I believe the early 80s, a parent who had a mortgage on their home could give the mortgage, they could assume the mortgage to one of their children. When the government killed that program, it stifled generational wealth within the black and brown communities. Black and brown communities were already suffering from a lack of generational wealth. But here comes the government telling us that it knows what's best for us. Entrepreneurship is the greatest expression of liberty that an individual can obtain. But yet the government gets in our way. Why does the government get in our way? Damon uh, alluded to this point. Why does the government? get in the way of the truckers by creating these absurd regulations. What difference does it make if a trucker has to use an electric log versus a a handwritten log? The reason why the government gets in the way of the entrepreneur spirit of of the individual is because the government wants to keep us down. This is how the government progresses. The government creates a, a problem and says, look, here's a problem, and I'm here to save you from this problem. If the government got out of the way, of the black and brown individual, black and brown communities in this country will prosper. But until well, that day, we'll always be at the feet of the government, groveling. And that's the way the government likes us, groveling and asking and begging for crumbs.
0: Okay, so um, I wanna just piggyback on that with what Tim said about um, entrepreneurship, how it has lifted up, especially people of color and uh, minorities, or you know, the poor, and, and that's the great thing about entrepreneurship is that, um, you know, even though you are, say, quote, born on the wrong side of the track, you can still be successful from entrepreneurship. But sometimes we do have, as Tim said, the government gets in the way. Um, speaking of that, uh, Dr. Dana, we have a very famous person on the line. Dana, uh, I just want to ask you a question. You specialize in the LGBT community and transgender. Uh, can you just talk about, have they seen any, Uh, challenges as entrepreneurs, they have actually, that community really has changed America. Even in Atlanta, I don't know if people know, when Atlanta had the white flight and everyone moved out to the suburbs and the downtown, uh, the the city, Midtown, was dead. When the LGBT community moved in, they brought in coffee houses, antiques, and started remodeling and flipping houses, Ivan. And they've been a very vital force to our economy. So, Dana, can you comment on that? Because sometimes it's not always easy for people that are transgender, LGBT, uh, to be successful in business because of people's prejudice or discrimination. Can you comment on that?
4: Uh, yeah, I can comment on that. On that um, the um, I'm afraid that if uh, if discrimination against LGBT people comes back into vogue, that they're going to be uh, clustered around uh, places like Atlanta and. Uh, places like portland oregon and so on that are have chosen freedom uh and uh, uh and don't discriminate so uh, i think atlanta is kind of an island amidst uh, a lot of discrimination uh and that's why lgbt people are attracted here um and i think that's it, i hope that that's uh that that discrimination's going to go away, but uh, it's always a struggle. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you, I was going to wait till we had you on,
0: guys. This is Dr. Dana Bevin. Uh, what is it, Harvard? You're know, Princeton, right? I don't know, big, t- big yeah. shot. The yeah. number one transgender uh, LGBT expert in the world. We're on the air with her. And um, author, Good Morning America, CNN, all that good stuff. But you know I have to ask you my question. Do we have to bake a cake for transgender people if we don't want to as an entrepreneur? What is
4: your answer? Uh, I would say no. I think that that's a contract between people or between a person and a corporation. uh, And that shouldn't be restricted. Frankly, if someone resisted baking me a cake, not that I'm getting married anytime soon. (laughs) uh, But, uh, you know, I would want to know that. Uh, You know, I don't want them to, you know... uh, and bake a cake that uh, I wouldn't want. So uh, it's fine by me if they want to discriminate, I'll just go to the next bake shop over. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, so I'm resistant to those kinds of laws and precedents. Right. Well, I just wanted to throw that in there because that's such a
0: big controversy um, about, you know, with entrepreneurs, do they have the freedom to be them, whether it's, you know, their personal religious beliefs or whatever. But to me, business is business. You brought up a good point. Business is business, and and that's just something. Um,
4: Jared, well, just, uh, to, just to just to finish that off, anybody who anybody who's in business uh, and refuses to serve LGBT people uh, is uh, cu- is shooting themselves in the foot, uh, and uh, turning away customers is never a good policy.
0: Well, and, and that's my point. It doesn't, it shouldn't matter what their sexual orientation or race or whatever. It's about business and, oh, I'm sorry, Lloyd, making money. <laughs> but you can help people. while you make money too? Ivan and them brought a business. Okay, so Jared, do we have anyone else, any final comments or did you want to say anything?
7: Any anyone final else? comments?
0: I know we, we do have one question and then I'll, I'm sorry, Jared. Uh, we have a question that was typed in from, Quincy, she's out in Berkeley, California, and she wants to ask our panelists, how do you balance your work and life um, situations since you work for yourself? Do you get to have fun? Are you always working? If you're at home working, uh, how do you balance that? Um, um, Let's start with Danny this time. Danny, how do you balance your work life situations?
3: That's a great question, Kevin. And one of the reasons I wanted to be an entrepreneur is because I wanted to be available to be a dad and a husband to all the things that were important to me. And I'd be at somebody else's schedule telling me when I was hungry, when I wanted to get up, when I wanted to go home, when I wanted to Mm -hmm. see my family. As an entrepreneur, I take control of my calendar. I put my big rocks in first. One of the biggest, most pressing things for me, as far as my son, his games, his, my wife, what does she need me to do? And I put all those in on the calendar first, and then I build my schedule around that. So there's 168 hours in a week. And there's plenty of time for you to do everything that you want to do. If you put the big rocks in first and then fill backfill around the rest and keep the main thing the main thing.
0: Great point. And, you know, I want to, um, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but the business you have with life leadership and the financial literacy, this is kind of your secondary, just not your main job. And that's something that uh, I think we want to really uh, bring out, that to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't have to be full-time, that you can do stuff on the side, part-time, a quarter of the time. Is that true, Danny?
3: Absolutely, 100%. I mean, most people work 40, 50 hours a week, and they're still... <laughs> a hundred hours left a week that you could do. If you could just find five, 10, 15 hours a week and prioritize that short-term to get what you want long-term. I'm all about being short-term ambitious so I can be long-term lazy. (laughs) He's funny.
0: Okay, Ivan, what do you think about, uh, answer um, Quincy's question from Berkeley, California. What do you think about work and life balance? How do you balance the two since you work for yourself?
1: So in the first year, especially of being an entrepreneur, Like, you know, full time, like having left my job, I had this thought process of like, hey, I got to look at all these YouTube videos. I got to be this perfect, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, go jogging, you know, sprinting, go hike a a 500 foot mountain. And then at some point I realized this is all I'm living for them. I'm not living for myself. And I had a great point. And
0: now,
1: let me take you back on that, because
0: a lot of times entrepreneurs think, OK, I want to work for myself. It's total freedom. But you still are working for somebody and you can actually be in just as much bondage. So that go ahead. Continue
1: on that. Yeah. So you have to come to grips with that and see what your day, your body actually wants to do. So some people I know work from like 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. That's their like maximum brain space time. Uh, For me, how I roll out my day nowadays, uh, even coming into knowing my own personality more, uh, I'm a guy that just kind of lives in the moment. I'm not much of a planner. I've come to grips with that. That's another thing I had to ignore YouTube University about, like having everything drawn out. I figured out my own personality, through a variety of tests and stuff, figured it out what feels natural to me. So nowadays, I kind of wake up, uh, listen to worship music. That's what drives me to go and have energy for the rest of the day. Uh, And from there, I just attack whatever priority is of the day for the the business. Uh, As you can imagine, I have like 500 tasks in a day. So I just, like uh, Danny said, just prioritize what's actually important.
0: Well, you brought up a really good point and I'm not trying to just keep reiterating, but these are great points that I teach my clients and that anyone looking to do a business or better their business or or leadership skills, um, you kind of got to go with the flow. You know, you don't have to fit into life's box and society's box. Um, You know, everyone gives you these tests and you got to do this. You got to be like that. But I like how you say you live in the moment. Sometimes you just have to be you. You just have to be free. And lastly, what about you, uh, Caroline? How do you balance that work life, especially working
2: from home? Well, um, so pre-COVID, um, what I was doing a lot was, um, I guess it's a little like what Danny was saying, that I would schedule things. So like I had dance classes a couple nights a week and usually another dance event in the week. And so, you know, you got to be there at that exact time. So you got to, forces you to stop. You got to stop, you know, and then, right. and then you're in a completely different mindset when you're dancing. So you don't necessarily want to come back and go back to work at, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Um, it's uh, similarly, there were a lot of, um, in-person networking events, and I imagine now that everyone's gotten so comfortable with Zoom, I probably won't do as many of those going forward, uh, but um, yeah, it has been a little harder with COVID. I mean, uh, I had a client call with a structural question uh, late yesterday, and so, you know, I was at a grocery store at almost midnight last night, you know, <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it, you know, that's what I wanted to know. You know, people to know it can be challenging. It's very rewarding, but there are some challenges. But you guys have all shown that you can still overcome it and be successful. Thank you guys so much. You made this a great show. Any last comments, Jared, or you can wrap us up?
7: Yeah, thank you, everyone. This was a, quite a fun and enlightening show. It was great hearing everyone's uh, personal experiences and perspectives and just talking about this uh, this really important topic together. So, yeah.
0: Okay, thank you, guys. Any final comments from our panelists? Um, once again, as you say your final word, give us your contact information or business and anyone wants to reach out to you. So let's start with Ivan.
1: Please. Last word, Ivan. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for your time, y'all. I really appreciate it on this Saturday evening. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, so yeah, leave leavetheratcage.com if you want to stay in touch with uh, the happenings I have going on. Uh I, I love it's a passion of mine to mentor folks, help people scale businesses. Like it's uh like an entrepreneurial journey, right, for all of us. So me get, being able to help anybody else get into real estate, you know, rental properties, wholesaling, uh even maybe help their own business. Like, you know, once you learn business principles, they could be usually drawn across different businesses. So I have a mastermind group, you know, we help each other out and give advice based on our circumstances, our experiences. So it's a great passion of mine to be able to train y'all and yeah, have a great weekend.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: And your book, what's the name of the book again? Oh yeah. From minimum wage to leaving the rat cage.
0: Okay. And it's available on Amazon and we will have uh, your contact or links in our show notes. Thank you. Miss Caroline, my favorite lady, of liberty. uh,
2: Give us your final word and your contact info. So uh, yeah, so basically, um, I, I mean, I guess I would just say if anyone, you know, wants to f- adjust their house to fit their personality better, or if they have a child or grandchild or someone they want a playhouse for, I could spend a long time going into uh, <laughs> all the options and uh, possibilities for these playhouses. But um, my uh, architectural website is uh, is uh, CL for Caroline Weyburn, and then uniquehomedesign.com. com.
0: Okay. And
2: And can can I play in
0: those houses is it for adults or are they just for kids? Well, we can make them (laughs) as big as you want. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off. go ahead. And you get, what was the other contact information?
2: I was just going to get my phone number, which is 404-963-8688.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. And my main man, Danny. Danny, give us a final word. Take us out, Danny, and give us your contact so people can reach you and get some help.
3: Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate um, you guys sharing with me. I learned a lot just by being on this call from all the great minds on here, the, all the great opinions. Um, you can reach me. You can find out more about me at dannykellenberger.com. And uh, I'd love to sit down and share with anybody who's interested more about the Life Leadership, our mobile app platform, and how we're helping people save money and make money all at the same time. And teach people about liberty and true economics and all the things that aren't really taught anymore today. So it's a a great, great, great thing we're doing. Really, it is.
0: Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for another great show. Uh, Remember to share this on your your YouTube, share it on your Facebook. um, And just go out there and let's change the world. Liberty to everyone. Good night. Have a great day.